entrepreneurs, are you trying to make bigger profits in your small business? Like many of us, I'm sure you're feeling it. Business is hard. And now more than ever, you need to have a plan to keep your business, not just to survive, but thrive. I'm Marcia Reiner. I'm a business growth strategist on a mission, and I've helped tons of small business owners to establish and implement a tangible plan that guarantees increased profitability and guides your growth. I want to share some strategies that I've earned and learned with you on today's Profit with a Plan podcast. But before we get started, I have something to share with listeners. I've got five ways to turn your business into one worth selling. And if you can go pick those up at my website at trajectorybiz.com. And I'm really excited to have my guest on today, Robert Klinkenberg. And Robert is the CEO of Radix Group and has offices all over uh, Greenville, South Carolina, Phoenix, Arizona, and the UK. So he's an international guy. Uh, Great accent too. He is an (laughs) entrepreneur, author, and senior leader in EO and a four-time Ironman. He is a serial entrepreneur having sold his $20 million company and now has several franchises, real estate investments, and a large peer group facilitation company in the U.S. that raises, and while raising, holy cow, a large family. He is also a senior leader in EO and therefore understands the challenges we CEOs face within growing companies. And Robert helps business owners getting their higher business valuation, reinvigorate passion for their business, and extra time with family and friends, while growth of key employees and a company culture that adopts the vision as if it was their own, which is what we all dream of, our companies thinking their business is their own. Welcome, Robert, to Profit with a Plan. Thank you. Really happy to be here. Great. So I love the concept of your book, The Iron Man Mindset, because, you know, we business owners are killing ourselves, working like crazy every day, six days a week, 16 hours. And, you know, we need to balance that out and have a right mindset, right? So explain that to us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So when I was running my company out of Phoenix, you know, I've been running it for maybe 10, 12 years from scratch. And it was a large company. We had, you know, 300, 350 employees. So I, I think I'd finally got to a point just through the help of mentors and coaches around me where, you know, I had some key leaders in the company just taking some of that pressure off of me so I thought well you know I, I don't necessarily feel challenged anymore what, what do I what do I need to do to go out and challenge myself I'm all about pushing pushing the limit so I started to do some um, some triathlons some smaller triathlons at first and then eventually got sucked into doing Ironman races and you know that's that's a lot of work that's 20 plus hours a week at the peak so, um, you know, here I am, as you say, I'm a large family, you know, another family. I am a business, which has all these employees um, working for me, but I'm trying to squeeze in 20 hours a week. So, you know, when I started going through that journey, I thought, well, is there some book that I can write to be able to share my experience with other business owners, other entrepreneurs? Because, you know, everybody has that challenge in trying to go through those different plateaus within their business. So, yeah, I went on that journey and wrote my book. And I was inspired by by my dad. He's a a big book writer. He's written four or five books. And I thought, you know, how nice would it be to make him proud? And And if he can do it, I can do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. 
That's great. So, oh my gosh, you know, as a business owner, pulling 20 hours out of our week to train is unheard of. I mean, what did you do to get that 20 hours? You mentioned you had key people in place. Did you did you let go of the control and let them run the business? I, I did. I just, you know, I said, spent a long time choosing those right people to help the business. And then I just put, you know, I set the vision. Where are we going in the future? You know, what's that Northern Star? What's, what's that BHAG? And then I put the parameters around that journey we're going. I, you know, keep, you know, key performance indicators, set the goals mm. every year. They were involved in that strategic planning. So once yeah. that was all set, then I just let them do their job. I mean, I, I purposely picked. That's purposely crazy. You let them do people. their job. I know. I mean, we, you know, I, I felt as though, a number of years before that, I, for some reason, I had this light bulb moment that I was almost enabling people. And I think it was my ego because people would come into my room. It was like a revolving door. And I think I just love being that go-to person to be able to give them answers. And I thought, that doesn't make sense. That's not actually truly developing them as leaders. Mm. So I think from that moment onward, I started to change my mindset, just change my dialogue with them. And that was a, a real pivotal moment. I love that because, you know, one of the things that I stress and coach to is having that CEO um, mindset. And it's not chief everything officer, it's chief executive officer. And that is a leader, not a doer. And so, we all started our business wearing all eight hats, trying to juggle everything. And, you know, you got to a company with 350 employees and, you know, you had, you, you have to give up the reins and lead and allow them to blossom. And, and you get so much more out of your business than trying to go over and screw in this uh, uh, screw and, and twist that light bulb to, you know, it's, it's, it's silly. That mindset shift of being the CEO really, really is a big jump. No, absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot, a lot of people don't realize is that they almost feel as though they have to work longer and harder than other people, yeah. their, their employees, because they almost have to somehow somewhat prove themselves. But in reality, they're actually doing more damage to themselves because they're spending less time with their families. They're spending less time sure. in the gym or working out. They're, they're not eating the way they should do. So that that's eventually going to catch up with them. And, it, you know, you and I had a conversation before that. Almost that, that exit then is, is forced upon them because yeah. something catastrophic will happen to them. Yeah. Maybe they go through a divorce. Maybe they go through, you know, some type of health issues. So why not, you know, take a step back and think, well, how can I really truly act as a CEO and delegate to people and figure out what I can do to really better my life? I think that, I think that's it. That's, that's the work-life balance that we business owners don't have. We get into our business and we think, you know, more is better and, and just keep chugging along. And, you know, if I just make one more call or one more, you know, work one extra day, stay a couple hours at night, you know, it's, it's, it's damaging to us. And when you, when you put out the, the actual hourly rate, you're working less than minimum wage <laughs> when so you true. start doing that. So and um, to, to be able to take that shift and, and really think how I can bring people on, 
get them doing what, what I, sh- I shouldn't be doing and then let myself stay in that genius zone. I think that's the, I think that's the, the thing that many business owners can't fathom. Yeah, that's so true. And, and, and one of the things I do is when I, when I go into companies and start that initial assessment, I'll, you know, I'll look under the hood or figure out what's going on within the company. But one of the things I do do is uh, do personality assessments really? with a lot of the leadership team. And what that says to me is where, where are the strengths within the company? And how can I best utilize those strengths? I mean, a lot of companies have really struggled over the last 18 months with COVID. And a lot of people have had to go back to the grassroots. And, you know, why not use that time to figure out where are the strengths within my company? Where are those hidden talents? And, you know, obviously one of the goals is to try and get the, the owner to be working more on the business rather than working in the business. Yeah. So what, where are their key strengths? Is it more in business development? Is it the finance? Is it more in operations? Yeah. So by trying to identify that and then make sure that you have a, a real good team supporting where you're weak at. You know, that's really important. Um, you know, having, what, what do they say? Your biggest, your biggest um, asset in your business is your people, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. And, um, you know, to do an, a personality test to find out what is, how do they react? How can we have a great relationship, working relationship, but how to get them, get the most out of them, right? You know, what do they say? Uh, I heard a report a little while ago that, you know, most employee only work like 2.7 hours a day, you know, because right. they're <laughs> screwing off and talking yeah. and not being yeah. efficient and, you know, whatever, bathroom breaks, smoke breaks, whatever. But, um, but yeah, to, to really get them because they're your they're your heart of of your of your company, and to get them working at their best best self, mm-hmm. and 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 to do that, I never really thought of personality testing to utilize that skill. It was always the interpersonal skills of you know communicating together. But that's a fantastic idea. Where did yeah, where no. did that come from? I am. I don't know. Just something I experienced in my company. I think, unfortunately, later on in my business, we did that. You know, there's so many tests out there between Culture Index and DISC and Colby, but it was something I think it was almost, almost a little bit of a light bulb moment between my partner and I, where we read each other's uh, personality assessments and realized, oh, that's why that person's like that. <laughs> that's they, why you do. They, that's why I know. That's why I thought that. there were maybe a little bit of a little bit of an ass or something but (laughs) you know everybody has their their own way of doing things and so realizing that later in my business and now using it in my practice where yes I can learn about how best to communicate and how can we encourage communication within the company to best utilize that what did you say two and a half hours a day or how can I utilize the skills within my company or do I break off three or four people that have unique skills and create a little pod to work on a specific project where their, where their skills complement each other. So I think those, those assessments definitely help and uh, just, just leveling up your company. I like that because, um, you know, when you think about it, if you can get them doing more than that 2.7 hours a day um, and you can get them to feel satisfied in their company, uh, in their work and reward them in ways that they appreciate those rewards. Um, you can't find that out without that kind of analyzing, you know? And I think that's how you get your, 
your company, you can, there's, there's a ceiling for what one person can do. But when you have a collective of people doing it, I mean, you can really move mountains yeah. with, uh, with the right people in the right place. Not, not, only move, not only move mountains, um, but also if you're improving your retention mm-hmm. of employees from, say, an 80% to 90 plus, yeah. I mean, that's huge right there. Because, you know, again, that cost of turnover yes. can be as much as a, you know, his employee's salary by the time you, you hire them, you onboard them, you train them, and then they leave a year or two later. So if you really get them to get, engage in the company, um, and keep their retention rate high. But then the other benefit of that, if you, if you have a really good culture and a good, really good work environment, mm. typically they're going to um, refer other people into the company. You know, we're all seeing the challenges out there with um, trying to get new employees coming in. But you know, one of the yeah. first questions I ask is, well, have you actually looked at yourself? How many people are being referred into your company? And if there's none or very few, then do you have a culture issue going on? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, I think, you know, again, it goes back to your point you made earlier where people are one of the biggest assets within your business. So, yeah, take care of them, have a great benefit, find out their strengths. How can you enhance those strengths? I love it. I love it because, yeah, that's, that's I think that's the, the tool for the leadership you know, the, the, the Ironman mindset that we have, you know, going on is to lead and you have to have the right people to lead. So, yep, so true. All right. So what kind of um, businesses do you generally work with? What, um, what are the, I see the landscapers podcast back there, commercial landscapers, but um, are there any particular industries that you like to work with? Yeah. I mean, it's mainly service industries. So my background mm-hmm. is, um, you know, obviously landscaping, but um, you know, any type of service industry where, you know, you're, you're dealing with some great, you know, blue collar workers, you're dealing with reoccurring revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them have similar challenges as just as you know, you know, you're dealing with people issues, lack of cash, maybe a, you know, poor strategy. And one of the biggest areas is just that lack of discipline to, to execute. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, I just really enjoy working with people that are, you know, hardworking, trying to, you know, trying to, move forward in their business, trying to level up. And that, that's part of the reason why I moved to the States is when I first moved from Edinburgh to, to Scottsdale. Hence the accent. Awesome. Hence the accent. <laughs> hence the accent. Um, I, you know, when I first went on vacation there, I thought, well, I'm, I must be doing something wrong here because here's all these people in Scottsdale that are beautiful houses. We're in great weather. And then I found out, well, this is their second or third house. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm doing something wrong here. Right. So I started digging a little bit further and I thought, well, most of them are either high level executives or they're all, all business owners. So that's part of the reason why I moved to the States because I wanted to level up myself. Gotcha. And then when I sold my business, I thought, well, how can I give back to that business community and help them level up? Get, how can I get them to an exit or get them to a lifestyle where they're working on the business? I like that. And that's so hard when you get the service professionals together. Um, you know, they're so hands-on, right? And they're so in their business. How do you get them to shift out? What are some of the strategies you use to, to get them to stop, you know, chasing clients and putting out fires? How do you get them to, to, to move and, and free up that time? Mm, really good question. That's really difficult. You know, I, I definitely, I, 
again, goes back to my Ironman mindset. I'm, you know, I can be fairly convincing. So I, <laughs> I definitely, I definitely hold them accountable. But I, I think one of the first things I do is look at what, what does their structure look like? Who, who are the people on their senior or leadership team? And are there ways in which they could step up and do a little bit more? Do they have the right uh, goals ahead of them? Do they have the right incentive plans? And yeah, just just make them level up a bit so that, you know, give them a vision of where the company's going. And that hopefully, you know, it takes, I I would say, a good three to six months for um, owners to slightly step back. But, um, you know, I just set that vision for them. I just set them, hey, can you imagine now spending two weeks on the beach or maybe four or six weeks over the year and i'll start getting them to do simple things like blocking off time Mm -hmm. for vacation and a lot of them have never had true vacation before because they're uh, afraid the business is going to stop right yeah you know they they what who's going to work when i'm gone right yeah Yeah. and i i just share my experience where you know again i'm running this large business in phoenix and you know i used to take two, three weeks off to go back to the UK. Uh, I was still able to check in. I had a dashboard I can look at online, but what, what, you know, leverage technology, find the right people, find ways in which you can still monitor your business and look at the three to five things that you can check in on a daily basis to make sure it's not, you know, it's not blowing up. Right. You know, I think that's, I think that's it. You know, when you have your, when you have your business running um, where it can run without you, then you have a business that's worth selling, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's moving and, and, and reacting that owner dependency model of, you know, it's, it's my company and I'm the guy and gal and, you know, I, it's, that that's nothing that that's not a business. That's just another job, I think. Um, and you're trading your hours for your own paycheck. Uh, you know, you got to have those those things in place to to be able to do that. And I love it that you you go in and you say, okay, I'm gonna you know not strong arm you, but you know I'm gonna convince you that that this is the path that you need to take. And imagine what would it be like to go do this, this, and that, and and grabbing on their um, entertainment and ideas because. You know, none of us got in our business to to work like crazy. We got in our business because we dreamed of the ownership lifestyle of, oh, I could go watch my kid play baseball in the afternoon Mm -hmm. or I could take off and, you know, uh, I could go to someplace when, you know, during the week or something. But then we get in here and we're like, I'm trapped. Um, So that's I think that's a hard shift um, to really get them. And and, anyway, back to a point you made earlier, I mean, I think a lot of owners will you know, have that mindset, oh, it's all about me, I run this business like a tight ship, but a lot of them have that, a rude awakening when they go to a true exit, mm-hmm. when the, the company goes to sale, and then buyers will say, well, who, who's your replacement? So yeah. immediately if they don't have that key person in place, then their valuation will go down. So yeah. if they just planned a little bit more, like what you talked about, you know, look at things way in advance, years in advance, and started to figure out, well, who who's going to take over my company? Who's going to be that key person? Yeah, that's really important. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a takeover, but who's going to who's going to stay with the company when you leave, you know, and keep the continuity going? 
Um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I talk a lot about, you know, planning for the exit and what do you got to do to make a strong company? But I think that's the key piece is, is that you've got to make, you know, if you make it like, like you're selling your house, right? You buy your house with the resale potential in the future. So you get it all turnkey and the turnkey is never involving the owner. If the owner can step back out of the business and have all the moving parts, you know, moving on their own, that's a business that's worth buying, yep. you know, having, because so nobody wants to jump into a, a an anchor, <laughs> yeah. a, a handcuff, you know, <laughs> and, and that's what we do as small owners is we handcuff ourselves to the business and thinking, you know, it's my baby and I can't throw it out. I've got to work harder. And yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy stuff, but I love your, your ideas of, of really getting in there and going to work on the business and getting those people in place to, to have good, good environment, good culture, and and good ethics in the company that make people want to stay. I mean, this is this is this is uh, right now in 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 the economy today. There's all these people that don't want to work, you yeah. know, or they don't so want to sure. go back to what they were doing before. They want that environment where they feel like they can work from home a couple of days or, you know, that they enjoy because we've just spent 18 months of reevaluating what I want to do. Yeah. That's and so, so true. I mean, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so what are your thoughts on how to create that culture that, that makes the company desirable for people to come back to work for? No, I mean, you're right. I mean, there's a big term being used, the great, the great resignation. And it's yeah. because, yeah, a lot of people are, are re-examining how they operated, how they, you know, were in, what, what was the company they were like with before? Did they enjoy it? Did they enjoy the work? Did they enjoy the commuting? So, yeah, you're right. A lot of people are either not going back or they're trying to resist going back to the workplace. So, yeah, I, I think... You know, CEOs, owners of the company really have to carefully look at what type of work environment they have. Are they having company events? Are they have you know taking their employees out? Are they having good incentives and, and uh, you know? Um, are you salaries? appreciating your employees? Yeah. Yeah. What, what are you I'm doing to really you. enhance? Yeah. Are you are you giving them education? Are you sending them on courses? So there's there's so many different ways you can actually. Um, take care of your employees and a lot of time okay. owners don't even you know they, they rarely do annual reviews uh, they rarely ask the employees what, what do you think uh, what do you think what, what, what do, do you, you want, want? Uh, and going back to even to the personality assessments in there you can there's a section on you know what what truly drives that person mm -hmm. is it money is it some other giving or charitable donation is it is it about the behag of the company or the purpose of the company so but you have to ask the employees that you have to do service with them you have to check in with them all the time and i don't feel as well enough uh, yeah. to emphasis has been spent in that year a lot of companies are now realizing that now and trying to catch up but um yeah there's just needs to be some more time spent on the employees I, I agree because like we said earlier, you know, they're the lifeblood of, of your company and they're going to, they're going to take you. If you groom your employees, right, they're going to take you to the next level. They're going to level you up for it. You're not going to level up. They're going to level up for you. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's really powerful stuff and definitely a different thought, especially with the smaller companies, you know, um, they're not thinking that they're thinking, 
how do I get the next client? You know, how do I, how do I, you know, how do I deal with the crap that's going on? They're not yeah. thinking forward and planning and employees and mindset and, you know, culture is, is planning and mm-hmm. it's creating that environment you want. I mean, why do we, why do we, um, you know, why do we buy a certain car? Why do we have, you know, Apple products or, or, or Android products, you know, because we've, we have a status we want, but it's also a culture that we're looking for. And I think that's really important that we create that inside of our company. No, 100%. And when you, when you actually think about it, if you're really taking care of your employees and providing that good culture, then that can work two ways. It can help to bring on new employees. So they're referring them into a really great company. Or if they're out there talking to their friends and saying, hey, I work for this great company, they do this and that. So they could almost become another set of salespeople Ooh. by Ooh. just promoting the company. So brand I, I awareness. Lot, yeah, you know? brand awareness. I think a lot of people really miss, miss the boat there. These are really great points. I didn't even put that together with the brand awareness that your employees can go out and brag about you, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, and when you're selling your company or whenever you sell it or, or how you're marketing your company. So there's a guy here in my area, um, um, Charles Antis, and he's a roofing company, large roofing company, but he's always doing community work, mm. uh, food drives, um, you know, clothing, you know, taking care of, they'll go repair a roof for a family that is in need or something like that. His brand is fantastic because of what he represents in his culture and his community. And I just, I love looking at what he's doing and think that that's, that's a brand in itself. You know, you don't have to pay marketing or be on social media or do your ads. You know, you do good or you have your employees brag about you. And that gives you free advertising. Well, I love that. That's probably that's probably been a huge part of their success. I mean, they probably yeah. do good work as well. But yeah. if they're doing work within the community, I'm sure the community, the people in the community are probably saying, hey, have you seen this person do this, this, and this? So yeah, I, I think that's huge. Yeah, great ideas. Great ideas here. So Robert, where can listeners find out more about you, your methods, your coaching? So they can build an Ironman company of their own. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for that. Um, so through my website, the, the Radix Group, R-A-D-I-X, the Radix Group, LLC.com. So that's my primary website. You can find about my coaching. I do a podcast, the Commercial Landscapers podcast, which covers landscaping, but also covers multiple different businesses. And um, we have some great guests on that. And, uh, you know, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is also a good place as well. I try and keep that up to date. So, yeah, I'd love to hear from people. People can get me through my website and uh, I provide free chapters on my book and they can read more about that Ironman mindset. So, yeah, happy to hear from people. Love it. Love it. Yeah, this is this is a great way to 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 really look at your business in a different way and gather your employees on and and create that culture you're doing, because, you know, this this is this is a business, right? And, mm-hmm. and it should be about something that you value and enjoy yourself. So I love it. Cool. I love it. All right. Well, listeners, thanks for listening today. I hope you found an idea or two to put into your business that will help you be more profitable. 
don't forget now more than ever, it's important to build your own profit plan. So don't forget to pick up my five ways to turn your business into one we're selling right now. Go check it out on my website at trajectorybiz.com. And Robert and I would love to hear your questions um, and comments on here. We will bounce back your responses. So uh, please comment and don't forget to subscribe to the show. Um, as always, you can catch Profit with a Plan on any of your favorite podcast players. And we're looking more forward to more great profitable information on next week's show. So until then, make your plans and profit with them. Thanks, Robert. Thank you.